0: All right, welcome back to another great episode of Dan on Top. I'm your host, Dan Lukowitz, and today we have with us the one and only Adapia Derrico, the principal and VP of strategy at Alpha Investing. Adapia, how are you?
1: Hey, Dan, I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Doing great. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us today and provide some value to our viewers. So we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, but before we get into the what it is of what you do, I want to know about the who. So tell our viewers, who is Adapia Derrico?
1: Oh, well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Such a pleasure. Um, Well, Adapia Derrico, I am at heart. I'm a seeker. Um, We've talked about this offline. Like I really believe in the personal journey of always seeking to be my best, always trying to break through. Obstacles, mostly mental ones, you know, just like really sharing my journey with other people, connecting with other people. I just so happen to have picked finance, financial planning, investing and real estate as a career. Um, But, you know, at heart, it's really all about the building those relationships in everything that I do.
0: Love it. Love it. Yeah. Seeking is really, it's a key quality that I found in a lot of people who are not only growth oriented, but incredibly successful as they're just constantly seeking. So that's really wonderful. So tell us a little bit about your story of getting into real estate and specifically crowdfunding, because from what I understand, you've been a key player in the industry since the very early days of crowdfunding.
1: Yeah, so I never had um, any idea, any clue as to um, what the real estate investment industry was like, even though I studied financial planning and, um, you know, did all my courses at a really young age. But, like, we don't talk about real estate. And I actually stumbled into it um, at part of my journey when I was um, in a very entrepreneurial stage. Um, I was involved with brand development. I was doing Kickstarter. I was doing Indiegogo. I was doing all kinds of um, uh projects like this for creators. And I stumbled into real estate crowdfunding because the finance investment background that I had kind of like lit up and it said, Mm -hmm. wait a second, this is really interesting. Hold on, you're telling me that I can purchase a building raise capital from other people and like in my mind at that time was like live in it like a big house on the canals in Venice Beach (laughs) and like turn it into like a co-working space like I knew that both those things were the future now you couldn't crowdfund and you still can't crowdfund a principal residence but it got me into the space right when real estate crowdfunding was taking off So I joined one of the very, very early firms, helped to launch it. I was kind of an evangelist for the whole industry, you know, all the conferences, like all the content marketing, just like really like took up the mantle. Um, And, you know, now I'm over on the equity side. Um, I started on more of like the peer to peer hard money side of the space. And I've basically been learning all about real estate since about 2013.
0: Awesome, awesome, so walk me through this let's say I'm an investor, right, and i've got a building that I want to buy, but I don't have the capital, and I want to raise some funds. Talk to me about the actual process, what it would look like if I was going to use crowdfunding for the uh, the purchase of this property.
1: Yeah, I would say if you are not an experienced operator, you probably are not going to be able to crowdfund um, you know. The whole industry, that kind of is originally how it might have started, like this idea of creating access in an equally balanced marketplace. Mm-hmm. But as you know so well, wow, like real estate, it's like the devil's in the details. Sure. And and the sponsor is so important, like the operator, like the you can't just, hey, I have an idea, I wanna raise some capital, can I crowdfund it? If you're just starting out, you're, you're gonna go friends and family, like everybody always has. Because the real estate crowdfunding companies, just like any um, syndication company or other investment company, it's a trust exercise, like your reputation is on the line. So you're only as good as your worst deal, so to speak, right, in some ways. So, you know, it starts there. But if you're an experienced operator, um, there's still a few crowdfunding platforms around. Like there was like over 100 at one point. But just like any venture backed startup space, you know, it kind of like blooms and then it, you know, kind of wilts. And then there's just like a few kind of gems that that really bear fruit. And that was true in real estate crowdfunding.
0: So let's say I'm an experienced investor. I've done tons of deals. I've got this great deal in front of me and I want to raise capital. So I'm going to push you a little bit on this. Mm How do I use crowdfunding? What do I do? Walk us through the process.
1: Right. So you can use crowdfunding, which is no different in its technicality than syndication. So for example, if you're a really experienced operator, a billion plus, you can come talk to me because at at my firm, we're not technically crowdfunding company, but we are syndicating. So you would approach. um, We would probably spend a few months getting to know you. Um, We're not just going to like put a deal on right away. This is in my company specifically but you get to know the operator you get to know the company because we're going to be your primary source of capital um we're going to do a deep underwrite we're going to dig deep we're really going to see like is this a long-term partnership we want to engage in sure. um and then we're going to start looking at your deals we're going to look at your track record we're going to walk the properties We're, you know that's all part of the vetting and so then we'll be able to commit to a deal that we think makes sense from our underwriting and basically say we'll show up to the table for you know, let's call it like an $8 million check. Um, you go ahead with the purchase, get every, everything's going, getting ready. We're going to raise, we're going to go out to our capital network. We're going to present the deal. They're going to decide whether or not they want to invest in it. Boom. We raise the capital. We show up to the table on closing day with the capital. And then we manage, um, the investor side, um, separate from the sponsor side.
0: Very cool. So as the, the operator who's purchasing the building and then coming to you, you're you know, kind of running the syndication, managing the investors, getting the capital and doing mm-hmm. the investment. What kind of rates can I expect to pay or what kind of equity? How does that look?
1: Yeah. So equity will depend. Um, it's probably going to Probably going to be like about a two, two and a half percent kind of marketing and due diligence fee, we call okay. it, um, because we're really making the, the other portion of our money is going to be on the promote. It's going to be on performance. So you're going to pay us like call it eight, eight pref with a 70 30 split. Um, and then we're going to raise that capital and we're going to take fees on the investor side. With a 10 pref and an 80 20 split to the investor, because to the investor it's a totally passive experience. They sure. don't have to do the underwriting, right? I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot of work. Um, and our head of underwriting has an institutional background um, re- underwriting for REITs in New York. So, wow. um, you know, as an operator, you know that like we're gonna we're gonna hit that number every single time, and we're gonna be a source of recurring capital. So, um, you know, that's it's really just about presentation, communication, reporting. Um, and just like really being strategic about the purchases, right? Cause it's in a rising market, you could just ride the market up, um, you know, ride the cap rates, but we're really looking, you know, say sponsors that have a real strategy in place. It's a value creation and not mm-hmm. just like riding the market.
0: Sure. So you touched on underwriting. I want to go a little deeper. So as it pertains yeah. to underwriting, what do investors need to focus on when considering a passive investment?
1: Yeah, such a great such a great question. So um, you know, a couple basic things from at the most basic level is making sure that the legal structure that's in place from the syndicator, um, is like the correct legal structure. You want it mm-hmm. to be a separate legal entity. You don't want any commingling of operational funds. So like make sure that like the legal structure is there, um, on the underwriting of the, let's say the sponsor, you want to make sure that the, that it's been like a really deep dive, especially looking at their track record, operational capabilities, like making sure that they've done what they say they've done. And and then when it comes down to the deal, like if you're looking at a deal and you're really trying to understand it, it always starts with like knowing yourself. So like mm-hmm. knowing what asset classes you're interested in, knowing your risk tolerance, like knowing if you're going for cash flow versus a big bump of appreciation on the back end or a mix of both. Um, you know, knowing if you want to invest in that state, because on the equity side, you're going to get a K-1. Um, mm-hmm. so you get all the tax benefits, but you got to file that K one, right? So, um, there's like a few logistical things like that. And then you get into it and you want to look at, does the deal make sense? Right. And that's our job. And we're, that's really what we do, but you still need to understand it. So does it make sense to you? Like, does the debt make sense? The way that the debt is structured, does the sponsor have skin in the game? What is the business plan? Like, let's say it's multifamily. Like what's the plan around renovations? How much, um, You know, what are the expected rents? What are the comps? Like really understanding all of that, which is gonna be driven by um, economic trends and jobs. Um, Understanding if you know the asset class and like if the exit makes sense, um, that's a really important thing, especially these days with rising prices. Um, So some, a few, like a few things to just kind of like top of of mind look at.
0: Now, what sets alpha investing apart? Why would an investor wanna work with you?
1: Oh yeah, thank you for that. So basically look like we are picky, patient and conservative. <laughs> um, which are not like the exciting words that any investor wants to hear um, so the reason a lot of people like working with us is they really really appreciate the level of due diligence that we do like we're so detail oriented we say no to like 99.9% of what we see like we'll wow. only do 9 or 10 deals a year right like we're, we're very picky about that we're very picky about our operators they have to have a billion of AUM or transactional experience at a minimum um, and so people are coming to us for the kinds of operators that have the experience to do the strategy to do the true additional like value of creating a good investment opportunity. These aren't sponsors that are on like LinkedIn or Clubhouse or at meetups, you know, these are sponsors that we build these relationships with. So it's really they come to us for the quality um, and the the level of diligence of the underwriting and, um, you know, also fundamentally, the returns just because we're conservative doesn't mean we don't deliver good returns.
0: Well, it's great that you can have that balance of providing that security and that peace of mind knowing that you've vetted these sponsors to such a high degree and at the same time be able to provide mm-hmm. returns that are attractive to investors. Yeah. So let's shift gears a little bit. Tell us about your book, Productive Intuition, how it came about, what it is, and what we should know about it.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, um, so this book really comes around as like, I've been really ambitious my whole life. Like I started working in a bank when I was 18. So I was all about like career, 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 success, success, success. Um, and like, I just learned along the way that there was a really big part of me that I wasn't listening to a lot. Um, and the times that I did listen to it, things went really well in the times that I didn't listen to it, things went like really poorly. So like, I lost a ton of money to fraud. And my intuition was like, No, this is a bad person. And I just like, rationally, like wrote it off. Um, You know, even getting into crowdfunding, for example, was my intuition saying like, this is going to be something really important, like go with it. So having some vision, and I just kind of arrived at this place in my career in 2017, where, like nothing was working, and I was freaking out. (laughs) Cause I'm, you know, I was like 38 at the time. And I was like, this is not possible. I'm supposed to be successful. Everything's supposed to work. You know, (laughs) what is going on? And and so like I went through, it was like really an awakening um, um, in so many ways. And, And part of it was me needing to understand who I am at a really deep core level. And so the book Productive Intuition, has a lot of like what i learned when i really went and aligned to my inner voice my inner authority like not what other people want me to be or think i should do um it helped me find my business partners at alpha because i was able to like really articulate these things to them and like grow a business and so productive intuition is a lot for people um especially business people who are like kind of realizing that something in their life has massively changed, and this is not even due to COVID, but like something's different about them. They can't quite land on what this thing is. And a lot of times it's because this connection to your inner voice, your inner authority that really helps you, A, it makes better decisions. You get into flow more easily, like better Mm -hmm. relationships um, just really helps you to know that you have this ally that's, you're not always just relying on like your mind to give you like answers, right? Like there's a different part of us and we all have it that has answers that come from elsewhere.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned some very key terms I want to touch on. First is flow, which to me is, is so incredible because you know, my personal experience, it's probably not so different from yours. You know, I had a, an awakening at some point where I realized, man, you know, things are supposed to work, right? We think they're just supposed to be smooth. That's life. That's what we're trained to believe. But at a certain point, many people have this existential crisis where they hit a point where things just aren't working. But that is really such a pivotal moment to the rest of their, their life and their success and their career. And, um, you know, I find that that ever since I was able to tap into the to flow, it's just I'm it's almost like I, I liken it to you know, snowboarding down a mountain, right? When you're snowboarding down a mountain yeah. and you're in that experience, you are nowhere but present in reality. And what's amazing is I found that I can do the same thing with my work, right? I can be tied up in my mm-hmm. deals and in my emails and client contacts and underwriting and all these things. And it's almost like I'm, I'm, I'm going down that mountain, which I find to be really incredible. And I, I, I feel very fortunate to, to be able to uh, exist in that space. Um, you also mentioned inner authority. I want you to kind of draw that out a little bit. Tell us a little bit more about inner authority and why it's such an important concept for people to understand and to connect with for themselves.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay, so inner authority, like, let's take it from this perspective. Um, It's a validation issue, right? Like, we want to be moving away from external validation, which is how we're just raised. Like, everything is about what somebody else expects. Like, that's the authority, that's the expert, that's the institution. And we just are giving our power away all the time, by essentially making it about other people Instead of making it about us and like wondering, oh, what will they think? Well, the most important thing is like you are the only authority in your own life. I don't care if somebody's an expert or a guru and they may be in their own way but you're the only one who can make a decision for yourself about yourself. And that's inner authority. And it's having the confidence and the trust to stay in that place and make decisions for yourself. And like, that's a form of self honoring, like honoring yeah. yourself. Like, something as simple as like saying no when it needs to be said Um, and and saying no, because it's the right thing for you. I mean, how many of us, cause we're so a type we're like, Oh, I gotta go. I'm going to say yes to everything. I can't miss out on an opportunity, you know, and then we wonder why we're overwhelmed. And it's like, cause you got to say no. And that's why like working with your intuition and your inner authority is like, let me ask myself, like, is this right for me? And like, sit with that and you can journal it, you can meditate it, whatever you would do you get a different answer than your head. That's like, but I should do this. Cause just, you know, I should, that's a big signal, right? Do I want to, does it feel good? Is it, does it feel right? Like that's your inner authority and then making that decision for yourself and not being so worried about external authority.
0: Such a powerful message. You know, I believe that saying no, often means saying yes to yourself and, and it's just it's so important to be you know internally validated and to have an internal locus of control It just gives a person so much more power and and as you say authority over their life well look we've got about a minute left i don't know if there were any closing words you've added so much value to our viewers and we're very thankful Are there any parting words that you wanted to close with
1: Um, you know, just thanks for having me like, thanks for the the great questions. And like what you said, like, I would say the parting words actually what you said, like, when you say no to somebody else, you're saying yes to yourself. And for those of us who might be like, Oh, is that selfish? It's not selfish is such like black magic it yeah. doesn't exist like it's not a real thing like you've got to be so strong in yourself because when you are you have so much more to give to other people absolutely. it's not the other way around you know so those would be my parting words
0: absolutely put yourself first and you have no idea how much you'll be able to in turn give to other people out Derico, thank you so much for joining us it's been an absolute pleasure we've loved having you on the show
1: Thanks Dan it's been it's been an honor it's been so great i really really loved it
0: Well hey i'm Dan Lukowitz your host of Dan on Top this has been another great episode we look forward to seeing you soon